this is the thing that the whole team is mostly proud of, taking this actually into production. And it is something that is super fun to drive, extreme if you put it in Furiosa mode, which is our track mode, but also perfectly fine going around for a coastline in Calma mode, in which the car decides automatically, autonomously, which corner to use. So it can be front wheel drive, and as soon as you need more torque, it becomes four wheel drive and the other drive mode. This is, I think, what makes it uh, very special. Welcome to the official podcast of the EV Report. Here, we take a deep dive into the world of electric vehicles, bringing you exclusive interviews and insights into the company shaping our future. Let's get started. Welcome, I'm Brian Hagman, and my guest today is Andrea Crespi, CTO of Automobili Panin Farina. Hello. Thanks for joining me, Andrea. How are you? Ciao, Brian. All good, all good. Keeping busy as always. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> So who is Automobili Panin Farina? Like what makes you all special? Can you give me a little bit of a background of the company, who you guys are, what you do? Absolutely, absolutely. So Automobili Panin Farina is, uh, actually has a long, long history, but a short life. We were founded in 2019. Actually, that was a, a, a Grand Prix uh, of Ypres in, in Rome for Formula E, uh, where we unveiled it to the public. But actually the whole story starts uh, much, much earlier than that. We, we like to call it uh, a journey from Battista to Battista, where the Battista is currently is actually the founder of um, of Pininfarina, and uh, which is called Battista Farina. He was uh, uh, the youngster of many many uh, brothers and a sister actually, and so it was called Pinin, which means uh, the little one. So, and from that point, uh, uh, the whole journey starts because they uh, start this coach building in Turin, in the area where currently we are. We are in the historical building here. He was a huge, huge uh, entrepreneur and visionary for for design in the whole automotive sector to the point in which uh, they started interacting with uh, with Enzo Ferrari and uh, with a famous uh, uh, famous meeting that happened in, in Tortona halfway through because they were both visionaries. They didn't want uh, to come either to Turin or to Modena. So they started uh, uh, meeting in between. And from that point, uh, of course, uh, many other uh, historical cars uh, were, uh, were born uh, and most of the Ferrari cars uh, till, uh, till recently. Over the last uh, 90 years, Pininfarina has designed outstanding, outstanding vehicles. And actually, the dream of Battista was actually moving the badge from the side of the car to the front of the car and then making this dream come real. So this is where uh, the vision uh, that was possible when uh, when Mahindra acquired, uh, in the end, uh, Pininfarina and decided to create an OEM. So I said, now, yes, let's take the right technology and make the car real. So this is where it all started. And uh, since 2018, uh, we worked hard, put the first vehicle uh, into production, and uh, and here we are. We have two, two headquarters. There are lots of international people from all over the world, um, roughly 100 people and uh, around uh, at over 20 nationalities. And we're sitting here in the historical building of, uh, of Cambiano, historical building of Pininfarina. Uh, where we have our museum, as well as in Munich, where we have uh, uh, some of the technology hub. We work on software, cybersecurity, and other teams. We have our business headquarters there with staff functions. So, And we have our atelier here in Cambiano, where we build the... Uh, where we build the car here in Italy. Great. So now you get, you know, you guys are known for the electric hypercar. Yeah. So for those listening who aren't familiar with like the, the hypercar concept, 
What so what's the difference between say a really fast sporty electric vehicle you see on the road more common versus what you all build and design in like an electric hypercar? What's the difference between the two? Of course, of course. So this is of course a, a positioning of all the technologies and the design solutions which are brought to the extreme. Extreme in which you choose a certain path to bring in what you want from a design perspective, despite any challenges from the technology that you might have. That's why there is uh, always a very good combination and uh, uh, strong discussions on finding the right solutions. And this brings the cost uh, and the ability to bring uh, to the market uh, cars, uh, which are all different from the others, uh, to the extreme level, to the extreme in which any car is different from another. So a sports car is still a car that has tremendous performance, yeah, but still can be built um, in, in batches. And an hypercar, it's usually very, very limited, super highly bespoke. Um, you can basically choose whatever we want. We are bringing this comp- concept to the extreme and has outstanding performance that you cannot see everywhere else. So this is the case for the Battista, uh, for instance. And, and yeah, this is how I would define uh, what we are trying to chase, what they're trying to bring to uh, to life. And, uh, and this is what uh, actually our customers also love about this. So I- hypercars are not anymore a way of uh, reaching performance, at least not for us. It's, it's a way of, uh, for our customers uh, in particular, to express themselves and do something that uh, that cannot be seen anywhere else. When I think of hypercar, so I think of three things immediately come to mind. <laughs> one, one is kind of the exotic look mm-hmm. of the car. Fair. You know, they're, they're very interesting looking. Like when you see a hypercar, it's like, okay, that's a hypercar versus maybe a normal car you see in the street. The second is speed. You know, they're super fast in my mind. You know, I think of a hypercar and then cost. They're super expensive, not cheap. So let's talk about that. So the first thing, so why are hypercars so interesting looking? Is it because of the way you have to design the car for the speed, performance and all that? Or is it more of just kind of the fun of, hey, we're making this super cool car and the the design, the exterior is going to have to look a certain way? No, it's 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 actually both. So it is, of course, uh, when you decide for extreme technical solutions, uh, let's say active uh, active winglets or active wing for us in the rear, uh, then everything else has, has to be balanced. And uh, usually, whenever you have something that is really good looking, is also very good for uh, aerodynamic balance uh, of the car, which is super important when you go in high speeds. Super important when when you have that level of performance. So when you chase aerodynamic efficiency, when you change vertical loads and downforce, correct balance, you change, uh, you, you then challenge uh, the any of the possible thermal thermal opportunities that you have for bringing in cooling for the power plant. I mean, Batista has over 1900 horsepower and uh, we have chosen to have six uh, uh, completely independent uh, cooling systems, uh, out of which there are two heat pumps systems, one for the cabin, one for the battery itself. So when you chase all of this, everything else becomes a consequence. You start designing the airflow around, uh, for instance, the, pl- the front splitter, you, you start designing the, the diffuser, you start designing the airflow around um, the A post, B post and C post to then enter into the flow. So uh, all, all of these uh, ultimately uh, gets together. So of course, there is also extreme possibilities because whenever you uh, do things in, in carbon, that becomes immediately extremely expensive, but also uh, has uh, further opportunity in terms of, of having uh, uh, the cut lines where you want or the right stance and shapes and lines uh, for the for the design to um, to to bring out of the car what uh, what what the designer really wants. Now, now that makes sense. So, what about the speed? So, what's the top speed typically of your designs of the vehicle? And is that is that kind of the result of hey, we're going to put this 
cool technology in here, the design, and then whatever the top speed is, it is? Or do you guys set off and say, hey, we're going to make this car go X, and then everything else falls in line? You need to set your target, but um, and that has to do with the product that, um, that you want to offer. Everything has to be uh, orchestrated well. So you think about speed. Maybe, yes, you think about power sometimes, but actually it's not about power anymore. You think about speed, you need to have good brakes. You need to have the right level of stability around the aerodynamic load. You need to have a lot of other things. You have the, the right tires. So all these little things need to go together. So yes, you typically decide where you want to set the boundaries of what you want to offer. And we're not offering, yes, it is an hypercar, but it's what we call hyper GT. So it's a different concept of something that is seamless to drive. It's offering an experience that can be both extreme, but then can be tailored and scaled down into having into being a fun drive that can be in city driving and be on the hills, of course, or on the coastline. So all of this together then set, set the boundaries of the technology that you want to pick. Now, we have decided, for this exact reason, to limit our car to 350 kilometers per hour. To limit it to 350 Correct. <laughs> but this is limited, uh, electronically limited. So it could go much, much farther than this. So all the systems are, are designed to, to hold uh, until 400 and over 410 kilometers per hour. Wow. Wow. So let's talk about cost then. So what, if someone were to buy... <laughs> a hypercar. Say they're in a market. You know, hey, today I'm going to go and buy a hypercar. So what, what what kind of price range are we looking at here? U.S. dollars, if you if you if you know that. Above above two million. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So super expensive. Nice. The sky is the limit, and the fantasy is the limit. This is the actual. This is the actual difference. We we are working a lot, especially in the in the uh, last year after we completed uh, the development and put the car into production, uh, into crazy ideas uh, coming from customers and bringing the possibility of customization to the extreme. So usually what you would do is, uh, yeah, maybe change a little detail here, an embroidery there, uh, maybe a finish, maybe a color. We want to bring this to the next level and we're actually designing some of the parts and developing them. We have already our customers that are part of the uh, last part of the configuration and design itself. What we are doing is, uh, uh, which is a bit of a change in the industry that recently is happening is uh, using Unreal. So a real-time configuration, which is gamified, if you want, which can brought to VR and, the, and you can uh, uh, directly with our designers uh, sketch the car as you like it uh, in or configure the car um, as you like it. But of course, we have uh, uh, we have had quite a few requests for uh, uh, bespoke and uh, and one-offs, which we are uh, which are currently developing, which are very interesting. So specific content. Uh, to make uh, it unique. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about about the production or the manufacturing side of <laughs> it because I was, I was curious to know is it do you all when you when you come out with a model do you come out and say okay for this year we're going to produce a small volume like you know 10 15 20 100 whatever or is it literally just you know one offs you know someone calls or they order it and you make it custom made for that person mm -hmm. or is it both no there is a slot so there are uh, there are manufacturing slots why because we have here at the capacity in our atelier where we are we're employing actually the same people and actually difficult nowadays to find that uh, ex extreme ability in manufacturing things anything that is handcrafted we are employing actually the same people 
people that uh, maybe 20 or 30 years ago uh, were painting uh, the little prancing horse in front of Ferraris. They're actually still here building and painting Batistas by hand. Uh, many of the mm. accents are hand painted. This is done mostly manually. We have hence uh, uh, a long, long process to bring the car from the idea of a customer out to the out from the gate. So the whole process can take anywhere in between nine months to more than a year where we work together with them. We meet them. They come over in the atelier, meet the people that are building the car, configuring the car. So uh, this whole sets slots. Um, currently, we are uh, around 15 to maximum 20 vehicles per year because that allows the right time to focus on the quality of the car that cannot e- exit the gate without being perfect. So let's talk about the, uh, your global presence because you mentioned earlier, you know, you're an Italian company. Yeah. That's where you're headquartered. Can you speak to like your global presence and maybe a little bit about your strategy for North America? Absolutely. So North America is a very dear market to us. Many of the uh, current clients are actually coming from North America. We're expanding. We've Mm. been expanding our presence in North America in both coasts, um, as well as Canada. And we are actually, of course, in home market uh, in Europe uh, and also opening up towards uh, evaluating Eastern Eastern countries, uh, recently Australia. So um, we're expanding uh, our global presence presence as we speak. I'm particularly fond of the North American cust- uh, market because we have many of the customers in which which are the first customer and the few initial customers. And we have a very uh, good relationship and tight relationship with them. They're actually yeah, WhatsApping uh, uh, us uh, on a regular basis uh, or we're showing up. And usually this was, for instance, the case uh, this year in Monterey. was was very, very nice meeting with them. So there was now at, at 1.7 Batistas in the, in the same place, which was astonishing and meeting them and we are basing we have i would say that north america is one of the most interesting market currently naturally so i think we have people there as in the other part of the most of the design team and the body interior team sitting here in cambiano under the same roof because that's how you do things uh, uh, properly because with the atelier where we build them and then we have munich so for our digitalization hub and business hub so we're naturally very 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 international and uh, and this is i think a great advantage to work uh, keeping a global presence and improving this global presence even to the eastern markets yeah yeah let's talk about the batista you mentioned that earlier so that that's a vehicle that's actually available to order absolutely correct yes can you tell me some i guess uh, a little bit about that vehicle and what makes it special or unique what makes it special is Definitely, definitely the power plant. We we are particularly proud because we were the first ones uh, bringing that vehicle, bringing an, an Hyper EV, and in this case, uh, an Hyper GT, which is also happens to be an electric vehicle in production. So it was a bit of a, let's say, a race in between the usual suspects uh, and many of the uh, historical OEMs for luxury and hypercars in here in Europe, and everybody knows everybody. So of course uh, there was this uh, uh, how do you how do you say hidden race between people and saying who, who would come out first. So we are actually the first ones in in actually also certifying in the US and bringing it there, certifying with EPA. And what makes it special is definitely a power plant and everything that we did uh, from a controls perspective. So the the way. Typically, uh, hypercars uh, are meant and um, are, well, often 
uh, truck tools. They are stripped down kind of vehicles, exotic looking, and you take certain shortcuts during the during the development uh, so that you meet the market as soon as possible. Now, as soon as you change and bring in a new technology, and we can debate electrification was still there since years, but actually not to the level of performance that we are uh, that we are providing. So, if you're talking 1,400 kilowatts. That basically a small town, yeah, in terms of power, as well as torque. So 2,300 newton meters. And yes, you have a power plant for a sports car that's probably 700. So this is uh, many times more that. In order to control of this, electrification was a key enabler for us. However, with that was also ultimately the decision of uh, focusing on how to control of this power plant. So you have a lot of power, a lot of torque, but actually you need to then be able to control it. Now, if you have an IC, a combustion engine, you pass through air, you pass through combustion, and then ultimately you have a leg that you need to manage. If you have electricity, that's very that's one of the highest form of, uh, of, of quality of energy, and uh, you can actually transform it into mechanical energy much, much faster. So in, in a few milliseconds, from the moment you decide uh, that you need torque, you got it. And mm-hmm. what we took as the extreme solution of it is having uh, a one dedicated motor for each corner. So there are four independent corners of the car, each one which is independent motor, it's independent transmission connected to then the wheels and controlling them, there are supervisory controls. As soon as you start doing that and you don't want to take shortcuts, then there is immediately functional safety. There's immediately all supervisory controls to make it super, super safe and reliable. And I think this is the, the thing that the whole team is mostly pl- proud of, taking this actually into production and having something that is super fun to drive, extreme if you put it in Furiosa mode, which is our uh, track mode, but also uh, perfectly fine uh, going around uh, for a coastline in uh, uh, Calma mode, in which the car decides automatically, autonomously, which corner to use. So it can be Mm front-wheel drive, and as soon as you need more torque, it becomes four-wheel drive and uh, and the other drive modes. So this is, I think, what what makes it uh, very special. Yeah. So we talked about the speed, the top end speed. What about the range? Can you get the range similar to a normal EV or is the, or do you have to sacrifice the battery, I guess the range of the vehicle because of the performance and the power it takes? It depends. Meaning uh, cell technology is currently on the verge of some, some step changes, but it has been for quite a while. So the current chemistry is uh, uh, we are using and most of the people doing uh, hypercars or, or sports cars are using our chemistry that are there since uh, quite a lot of time. In uh, And in that respect, uh, what's important is actually the, the C-rate. The C-rate for, for a battery tells you um, how fast you can discharge or, or charge the battery uh, versus uh, his own capacity. And in this case, uh, what you what you want to do is uh, uh, take a, a chemistry and pick up a chemistry that actually is going to be there for uh, uh, for quite a few uh, quite a few years. Then this might change in the future because many of the people are looking at uh, since it's now electrification is becoming more of a commodity market. So there are many options out there. Uh, there is not a solution fit all for battery technology, and it'll be uh, distributed uh, depending on the products. So products that need low amount of power are are currently going uh, towards electricity. Uh, FP products that need a high level of, of power are keeping on NMC uh, and going into different cathode and, uh, and anode, uh, anode chemistries. But this is uh, what uh, what is the technology change and what will happen in the future. What about regenerative braking too? Mm-hmm. Is, is there regenerative braking on, a high, on an electric hypercar just like you'd have regen braking on a, a normal EV? Yes. 
We have, uh, of course, you have the ability of uh, a huge amount of regeneration. So for each breaking, we can uh, uh, regenerate and we limited it up to 250 kilowatts. So you can imagine that that's the power that's actually being uh, not wasted in heat, but actually recovered within the battery pack. So, and uh, you can decide how to do it. What we think, and with the path that we've chosen, is that uh, along with the electrification, also the people are uh, entering into a one-pedal driving or understanding more how it works, one-pedal driving. And I think once you get accustomed to it, and it takes uh, really 20 or 30 minutes, uh, you're actually getting more and more efficient because you're recovering all the energy that actually you have lost, was lost in brake pads and heat and, and everything. So yes, 250 kilowatts is the peak. Now, typically what you limit is uh, not to get uh, car sick, uh, everyone that is in the car with you to uh, 0 0.2, 0 0.3G, depending on the drive mode. This is again where we decided to separate in different modes. We have uh, uh, five drive modes, so four plus one that is bespoke. Everybody can uh, can can tune it, starting from a calma mode, which is what you would use in city driving on going around, uh, into Pura, which would be a comfort mode, uh, more for highway driving or normal driving, uh, into an Energica, in which uh, uh, all the systems are are much more reactive. Uh, including throttle maps and everything, and a Fiorosa mode that is intended for uh, track only. But all, all the controls have to be scoped for it. So you guys have had a busy year yes. so far. I mean, we're, we're, we're getting to the end of the year here. I mean, you, got, you all have had several or multiple vehicle or design uh, announcements with prototypes and things like that. You've had some leadership announcements. You've had, you know, expansion announcements. What sticks out to you from this year? Any, anything in particular that, uh, that you're proud of or that, that you find interesting or you'd like to speak to about, about the year so far? I think uh, two of the products uh, that uh, we came out with this year are uh, one the team has been uh, mostly proud of. There are uh, uh, both of them we have actually unveiled in, in Monterey. I said North American market is important for us and actually Monterey is, is nowadays important for the whole world. And we unveiled their uh um, well, we brought there in the US the Nino Farina, the Edizione Nino Farina, which is a special Battista. This, this special special Battista is um, is important for us because it's telling part of a story that was was not told. So actually, everybody knows the story of, of or many people know the story of Pininfarina. Pininfarina is a known brand. Uh, maybe they don't know that the founder was Battista and and his life. However, pretty much nobody knows uh, the story of Nino Farina. Nino Farina was actually the nephew of Battista, so they spent in the car. Yeah some time then he started racing when he was uh, uh, when he was 19 and then he was actually the first uh, formula 1 championship driver in 1950 and actually the first uh, formula 1 grand prix dry, uh, winner in uh, in 1950 so he won in the, the first race and he won the whole championship silverstone was the first race and then there uh, won a lot of other other stuff along with fagioli along with the with fangio so the three f's racing for alfa romeo and uh, we wanted to, so to to tell this story uh, and celebrate it with the, with this edition in Farina with the colors um, that are connected uh, um, to, to those race cars from the 50s and uh, and all the other accents uh, the 01 reminding the, the the podium and the first uh, championship as well as the F of um, of uh, Pininfarina on the on the passenger side where he started driving uh, with his uncle so this is this is certainly one the other one is the uh, is the the Pura Vision uh, now, Pura Vision is uh, is important to us because it's the bridge in between what is the past and the, the current consolidation of our company, which is the Batista, and the future. 
So it's telling what is our design story, what, I, what are our design intent. This is about uh, uh, design concepts. This is about uh, uh, line proportions. Uh, this is about the recipe, as they would say, of uh, what is uh, an unmistakably Italian design and what is for us uh, the future of uh, automobile pininfarina vehicles. Uh, so it tells a story of design. You can look at uh, uh, many things inside the concept of the central console. You can look at uh, uh, the use of bioresins uh, of, uh, uh, of, uh, in, the, in the scuff plate. Uh, you can look at many other little details, which is telling the design language and which brings the Battista into the future. And there we unveiled the first product that is born of this new new design language, which we call uh, um, which, which we call Pura, in uh, that is embedded into the B95. The B95 because we are will be celebrating the 95th year. So today is actually the 94th, and B stands for Barchetta, so the type of car, which is another extreme solution. And we are hardly working on this. Very very busy especially because if, uh, as I was telling you, aerodynamic solutions and design together will need to shape the car, and that was the case for Battista, you can imagine that open, doing that open roof with a speed that will be north of 300 kilometers per hour is not easy. And uh, the, the pressure, uh, the pressure actually, uh, and the aero comfort of the driver and passengers are quite key, especially when you don't have a windscreen and you have aero screens that will protect you. Well, Andrea, so before we wrap up today, what do you envision like, how do you see, um, I guess, looking out in the future, five to 10 years, like, how, how do you see the maybe the industry evolving a little bit? And where do you see your company fitting in in that next five or 10 years? We are discussing this uh, every every day, basically. It is clear with electrification, but in general, uh, lately, uh, mobilities uh, and uh, the automotive world and the industry is splitting into two streams. So what is more uh, uh, movers, movers technology and uh, mobility as a service uh, or in other forms? And what is e- e- instead something different, which is a way to express yourself? So the intermediate case in which the vehicle is a sort of expansion or extension of your home, of your uh, space, will not be there anymore. And actually, uh, it's either because I need it to move from A to B, that's not us, or because uh, I want something that is unique. It really tells something about me. It expresses me. And it's uh, if I'm crazy, I expect it to be crazy. So, And this is where uh, I see that uh, this will flourish. Currently, if even if we look at the numbers in, in IHS, uh, this trend is flourishing and uh, the trend is positive for the next years. So what we are doing to uh, cope with it and follow it, because what we want to do is put the customers in the center of everything that we do and all the solutions that we do, is activate this uh, this bespoke program where we evaluate uh, any of the crazy content that the, our customers can come up with and come up with, uh, uh, with a feedback and trying to make it real. So we're going that direction and uh, we're opening up some of the new content for them, evaluating with them. And sometimes it's not easy because finding the right solution and bringing it to the market still without taking any shortcuts in the development is a is a big challenge but the what i would say is the customer do understand it and actually fascinating for them because they have created something they were along with this trip so this is uh, this is what we're doing actually what we are seeing on top of this of course everything that we do is going even beyond the vehicle so all of the interactions that i was just uh, explaining to you or uh, coming here, coming over, looking at the museum, meeting uh, 
even uh, even Paolo Pininfarina, which is which is the nephew uh, of Battista. Even uh, going down in the atelier, talking with the guys that are actually uh, painting the vehicle or discussing with us, it's all part of something that is different, uh, and uh, uh, it's working. And I and I see it working for the future. And uh, I would like to bring more and more possibilities in the market uh, um, because some ideas are tremendously good, uh, and it's super interesting to deliver them. Well, Andrea, it is been it has been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed talking with you today and learning more about the company, the vision, and what you guys are doing. This has been awesome. So uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime and catch up in the near future. Absolutely so. We'll be happy to do so. And of course, uh, if you have time, you happen to be around in Italy, come over, and then we can give it a stroll in the Batista. I'll take you up on it for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. All right. Very good. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Brian. I'm Brian Hagman, founder of the EV Report, and I would like to thank today's guest, along with all of you, for tuning in. Don't forget to hit subscribe, and I'll see you next time.